turn with us back to Ecclesiastes. I'm going to try my best to finish up what we started this morning and uh, just continue where we left off there. But I won't read the full passage that I read this morning, but just read one verse, verse number one, Ecclesiastes chapter number three. And it reads as this, to everything there is a season and a time to every purpose under heaven. Amen. I'm going to finish up with the Lord to help us tonight on the truths about time. Father, we love you. We pray that you would add your blessings to the reading of your word tonight. It's spirit, it's truth, and it's life. God, I'm asking for the unction, the anointing, the empowerment of your spirit to rest upon me. I can do nothing without it, but with you, by you, through you, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I pray, God, that you would help me effectively communicate tonight. Oh, God, every thought that you've laid on our hearts. God, to, uh, to deal with where we are, to deal with the close and climax of this age that's soon to wrap up. God, and the rapture of the church is soon to take place. We're getting out of here. We're going home. God, let us see the time, redeem the time as your word is spoken. God, and realize just how close we are to what we've been working for for all of our Christian lives. And God, we're going to give you the praise, honor, and glory for it all. In Jesus' name. And the church says amen. amen. And amen. Most everybody was here this morning. I'm not going to re-preach what we preached about, but to just recap very quickly. Uh, we dealt with the truths about time and looked at Scripture, what Scripture says about time. The first thing we noticed that time is in the hand of the Lord. For, for David said, my time's are in thy hands. And uh, we, we saw the, the confidence that he had in God, the confidence that it brought him when he was running for his very life, when uh, things were seemed to be falling apart and going from bad to worse with every day living with the reality that this, uh, this breath could be my last. The, the light bulb come on for him and confidence arose in his heart when he said, my time is in your hand. And then we looked at the uh, that time is appointed by the Lord. For Job said, is there not an appointed time to man upon earth? That God has uh, not just uh, a time in his hand, but he has appointed unto us time that, that we know as this thing in this journey called life. He's appointed this time uh, to, to live. He's appointed this time for his will. He's uh, already appointed this time to, to expire, to die. He's appointed this time for visitation. And he's appointed us times for refreshing. And that just about gets us caught up. I mean, some of you were thinking, why don't I just preach the Cliff Notes version every time in under 90 seconds and, and be done. But you're not going to get off that easy tonight. Uh, but as we look at this and, and we look at, at where we are, I mean, we, we made this statement this morning that God is not bound by our time. And we see that numerous times throughout Scripture. Mentioned it with Lazarus when he was four days late. While man uh, thought that all hope was gone, he showed up right on time. Amen. So he could receive the, the greatest glory. He's outside of our realm of time and space. He does not operate on our calendar, but he has his will. But the good thing to know about our Lord and our times being in his hand is that he already knows. What's coming ahead? The, the omniscience of God, the all-knowing, the, 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 the mind of God that already knows in advance. Our tomorrow is already history with God. Now, our finite mind can't comprehend that, or, or, or yours may. You may be higher up on the IQ scale than mine, but uh, to think about God, my future is already history with Him. Because he already knows the end from the beginning. Yeah. He's already numbered my days. He knows uh, uh, exactly uh, what is going to happen, how it's going to happen, when it's going to happen, what the outcome is going to be. We're walking and we're seeing through a glass darkly, the Bible says. Amen. We are uh, living a life of faith dependent upon Christ. But he already knows the end from the beginning. You can just look at Isaiah chapter 30 verse 8 when he told Isaiah, he said, now go write it before them in a table 
and note it in a book that it may be for the time to come forever and forever. He told Isaiah what was going to happen. He said, Isaiah, here is a, a prophecy concerning my people. He said, I want you to write it down so that generations can come back and they can look at it and they can remember it forever and forever. In Habakkuk, he told the prophet, he said, the Lord answered me and said, write the vision and make it plain upon the tables that he may run that readeth it. For the vision is yet for an appointed time. But at the end it shall speak and not lie, though it tarry, wait for it, because it will surely come. It will not tarry, behold, his soul, it, which is lifted up, is not upright in him, but the just shall live by faith. He was saying, Habakkuk, I'm telling you what is going to happen. You write it down. I'm giving a vision unto you, but it's for an appointed season. How could God give a vision that he didn't know anything about? But he already knows. Amen. Our future is already history with him. If you don't believe that, then just think about the book of Revelation. There's people tonight that's crazy enough to run to a psychic and a palm reader because they want to know what's going to happen in the future. Dear God, just go to, buy, go to Walmart. You can buy your cheap Bible for about $1.99. Turn to the book of Revelation. And if you want to know the future that bad, just spend about 45 minutes to an hour and read the chapters in Revelation and that'll tell you where we're headed and what's going to happen in the future. I mean, it is. Apocrypha, it's apocalyptic telling what's going to happen in the future. But God already knows that and He showed that to John 2,000 years ago when He was exiled on the Isle of Patmos. Our God already has everything mapped out. He already knows the end of the beginning. He's the Alpha and the Omega. He's the beginning. We know that. In the beginning, God created heaven and earth. In the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God. The Word was God. The same was in the beginning with Him. We know those scriptures. We can trust by faith that He, he has the beginning intact that God always has been. But we also must know that God always will be. Hallelujah. Amen. He is the omega, the beginning and the end, the author and the finisher of our faith. Amen. Our future is history with Him. God is already there. So as we look at this gift called time, the truth about our times, our time is in His hands. Our time has been appointed by God, but there's also two other points I want to hit on tonight if the Lord will help us. And that is first, that our time must be redeemed. For the Bible tells us in Ephesians 5 verse 15. See then that you walk circumspectly. Soberly. Not as fools. But as wise. You see there's a lot of foolish people walking around in the world today. There's a lot of foolish people doing fooling things. They are wasting their time. Just wasting time. For the Bible tells us in verse 16 to redeem the time because the days are evil. To the church, he wrote in Colossians 4, verse 2, to continue in prayer or and watch in the same with thanksgiving, with all praying also for us that God would open unto us a door of utterance and speak the mystery of Christ, for which I'm also in bonds, that I may make it manifest as I ought to speak. But he said to walk in wisdom toward them that are without, redeeming the time. Now we know that about the redeeming aspects of Jesus Christ, of his blood, that redeemed us from the auction, auction block of sin. That means to, to buy back. It means to purchase, to buy up from the possession or power of anyone. And then to redeem something means to set it free, to loose it from service or bondage. But in this instance, to redeem the time, it means to rescue or to recover from waste. It means to, to redeem your time, to, to, to don't be wasteful with it, to not take it for granted, but to rescue it, to recover your time, to spend it 
on something with eternal value in mind. Brother Daniel already quoted the verse this morning in Ezekiel. Uh, talking about Sodom. The three things. Uh, amen. One of those was an abundance of idleness. They wasted their time. They literally wasted their life. They were doing nothing of eternal value. They were doing nothing that glorified God. Amen. I, I don't know that uh, uh, they didn't have Facebook back in the day, but I'm sure that they spent a lot of their time doing something along those lines. Just idle. Reading the gossip columns. Reading the newspaper just, just day in day out and doing nothing that glorified God. Doing nothing. They were wasting the oxygen that God had blessed them with. And their lives had become idle. The Bible says, or not the Bible, but an idle mind. The saying goes, it's the devil's workshop. When you do nothing with your time. And you're doing nothing that benefits the kingdom. And you're doing nothing to glorify God. You're doing nothing to, to honor God. The devil collects that as worship. I want you to let that sink in. When we do nothing to glorify God, amen, that, that's an opportunity for the devil to seize because uh, what transpires after that uh, is nothing good. When a man is left to his own devices, the Bible says the heart is deceitfully wicked and who can know it? When a man is left to do whatever he wants to do, there is a way that seems right in the man, but the end thereof, are the ways of death. Why is that? Because that man was idle. He did what was right in his own eyes. He didn't glorify God with his life. And it bred and produced death in that life. Spiritually and ultimately physically. Amen. We must not be idle with the time that God has given us. He has appointed unto us this time. Amen. He's appointed unto us this season in our lives. Don't lose it. Amen. And live it loosely and haphazardly but redeem the time rescue it and say God as you have given me this time I'm gifting it back to you I'm giving you all that I am I'm giving you my time my resources all that I am all that I can be I'm not letting the devil collect my wasted time as worship Amen. but I'm giving it unto you that you may be utterly exalted by my time You see, we waste so much of our time on frivolous things that don't mean a thing in the light of eternity. Brother Hanks wrote in this discipleship book. You see, I, Sister Becky had my Sunday school book. She taught for me last Sunday. I spent so much time getting ready the message ready for today and tonight. I was going to study last night and get up early this morning to study, and I couldn't find my Sunday school book, and it dawned on me. Sister Becky had my book. And so I messaged her. I said, can you just take snippets and pictures and send it to me so that I can study it and get it ready? And I looked over the lesson. And the, the lesson was on stewardship. And it's how we should honor God by giving Him our time. And I said, well, they come to Sunday school they're going to hear the same thing twice on Sunday. Amen. And some of the very things Brother Hanks had in his discipleship book, I didn't know. I didn't read the lesson ahead of time. But some of the same things that God had already dealt with me on, if I needed any confirmation that this was the mind of God for the hour. Amen. Here it is. But he said in his discipleship book that every day God gives us 24 hours, which equals 1,440 minutes. There's 86,400 seconds a day for us to use as we will. He's given us free will of how we use our time. I told you this morning we can't manage time. Time manages itself. But we can't manage and prioritize how we use that time. But he went on to say that in the average lifespan of 70 years, that the average person spends 20 years working, 20 years sleeping, 7 years in the bathroom, 7 years playing, 6 years eating, 6 years traveling, 5 years waiting in line, 5 years dressing, 
two years returning phone calls, an hour and a half we spend in church. Or an hour and a half. A year and a half we spend in church. Eight months we spend opening emails. And six months we spend waiting at stoplights. A couple of things jumped out at me here. Is that that, it varies from person to person, but that's just on average what some of the calculations and measurements say. But we spend, according to this, seven years getting ourselves ready, primping, printing ourselves and trying to make ourselves look presentable. Seven years playing, five years we spend dressing ourselves. 20 years on the job, 20 years sleeping. But when you add up the amount of time that you spend in church, only a year and a half of a 70-year life is spent in church. You see, we spend more time getting this flesh ready than we do crucifying the flesh. We spend more things and more time is spent on things of this world that in the light of eternity mean nothing than we do on things of eternal significance and value that in the final analysis of life means everything. So how do we spend our time? Amen. We need to evaluate how we use our time. Amen. The, the Bible tells us that we are to redeem it. Another translation says, pay close attention to how you live and how you use your time. Listen, that, that's, that's two key takeaways that we should take to heart tonight. God is concerned about how we live and God's concerned about how we spend our time. That's good preaching right there whether you get amens or not. Amen. God wants you to be holy. God wants you to live pure. God wants you to be righteous. God wants you to come out from among the world and be separate. Amen. Touch not the unclean thing and I will receive you. He wants us to be holy as he's holy. Pure as, we're, as he is pure. To be separate from the world. God still cares about those things. And God, amen, desires us not only to just be holy holy uh, with how we live, uh, but holy with how we use our time, uh, amen, to watch it, uh, to be careful, to take account of it, uh, and he's told us expressly in his word, uh, we are to redeem it, uh, we're to rescue it, uh, we're to recover it, uh, and give that time back to him. You ask the question, how do I redeem the time? You've got to realize you don't have forever. We don't have forever. We've already preached God has given us an appointed time. He's numbered our days. And James has told us in James 4, amen, that we know not what shall we be on the morrow for what is our life. It is even a vapor. It's here today. And for just a little time. And then it vanisheth away. Listen, if you were to take your life, I've used this analogy before. And you were to go to the Great Wall of China. And you were to take a pencil. And you were to put a dot on one of the bricks in the Great Wall of China. And you were to take a magnifying glass. And you would put it up against that little bitty speck. That magnifying glass would make it look larger than what it is. Because you're right there face to face with it. You have an instrument that magnifies it. But when you begin to lower the magnifying glass and you begin to step away from it and you begin to see the vast uh, spectrum of the Great Wall of China, that dot, that mark, even that circle, it becomes getting smaller and smaller and smaller as you back away. And I, they, they say that you can see the Great Wall of China from space. That's how large it is. But I guarantee you, they wouldn't be able to see the speck that you write on that wall. You see, that speck is exactly like our life when we look at it in the spectrum of eternity. 
It's like putting a speck on that great wall of China and magnifying it. To us, it looks big because we're right there face to face with it. We're living it, our life, real life, in real time. It's live and in color. We deal with it every day. Our problems, oh, they're magnified because we're living in the moment. It's just like looking through that circle on the great wall of China. But when you look at that dot in the light of the vastness of the wall, amen, that dot, isn't even a drop in the bucket to how expansive all the other markings are on that wall. That is our life. When we look at our life in the lens and through the, the, the glasses of eternity, our life is but a vapor. Our life is but a speck. Amen. It's magnified because we're living it right now. But when we stand before God, amen, and we're with Him throughout all of eternity, either with Him in heaven or God forbid we spend an eternity in hell apart from him you're going to look back and you're going to realize just how short this life is you're going to realize just how much of the, uh, the, the your life is in comparison to eternity it's not even a drop in the ocean we've got to realize we don't have forever for us 70 or 80 years that's a blessed life. With modern science and uh, technology, some are living older now. I used to think 40 was old. I, I, was, I remember telling somebody when I was seven or eight, they asked me how long I wanted to live, and I said, I want to be 25 years old. I don't want to live any older than that. Brother, you said in your testimony that, amen, we learned a lot in our first five years. Thank God I got a little wiser. After I made that foolish, foolish statement. <laughs> Amen. 25 years is nothing at all. I'm past that already. I used to think 40 was old. 50 was old. 60 was old. Now, every day that goes by, 60 ain't as old as I used to think it was. Thank God we have the ability to have longer, meaningful lives and, and have great relationships. But there is a truth. That just as sure as there is a birth date on the birth certificate, there will be a date on the death certificate. Unless the rapture of the church happens first, which if it does, thank God for it. That's what I'm looking for. But every one of us, if God carries us coming, amen, we're going to have to deal with that appointed end that God has appointed unto man. Once to die and after that the judgment. We may think that we have all of the world at our disposal, but we would think wrong because our life is just like a sand glass that's flipped over. Once that thing is activated, the countdown is on. Amen. There's nothing that you can do to change it. There's nothing that you can do to, to, uh, to stop it. Amen. But just the same way that that sand drops through, that sand glass, there will be a day when this life is over, when it expires and there's nothing left. We redeem the time by realizing, amen, that we won't be in this life forever, but what we do in this life, it will matter forever. Hallelujah. When we get on the other side to hear him say, well done. How we live this life matters and we must redeem the time that God has granted unto us. We must put eternal things first. How do I redeem the time? Realize we don't have forever. So since I don't have forever in this life I'm going to put God first for as long as I do have time don't be like the rich man in the Bible who had gathered all of his crops and he said I'm increased with goods he said I'm going to tear down my barns and build bigger barns and I'm going to say to my soul, soul, eat, drink, be merry, and have thine ease. But that night, his soul was required of him. That night, the final drops of the sand in his hourglass dropped down. And he realized 
that he had forsaken the most important thing. He had forsaken the thing that mattered, and that was his eternity. He failed to live his life with eternity in mind. And it cost him absolutely everything. So if we are going to redeem the time, Christ must be put back into the preeminent place of our lives where we are consumed once again with his presence and glorifying his holy name. Hallelujah. Amen. We've got to put eternal things first to not look at things through an earthly, temporal mindset that cost us God's eternal plan. But everything we do, we we measure in the light of eternity. And ask ourselves, is there, if there's any borderline things in my life, is there anything that we have a question about on the fringe? Do I need to let it go? Or do I need to hang on to it? I can make that answer for you very simple. If it don't matter in the lens of eternity, leave it alone. If there's something, a conviction that you're struggling with, is this God or is this me? Ask yourself, is this going to help me get to heaven or is this going to hinder me on my journey to get to heaven? Put everything through. In the an eternal lens. Uh, and most of the things you don't have to ask your pastor for wisdom about. Right. Oh, come on, preacher. Oh, You're meddling. No, I ain't calling. I'm just talking convictions in general. Amen. If there's a doubt in your mind. Uh, amen. I, I had a, a, a girl ask me at youth camp one time why she picked me out of a crowd. I don't know. But she walked up to me. She said, hey, I just want to know. Is my dress too tight? I said, sis. You asking the wrong person. I said, go back to the dorm and ask the Holy Ghost. And he'll tell you whether your dress is too tight or not. She came back to church with a different dress on. I mean, you see, you, can, you, you don't have to go to uh, sometimes spiritual wisdom and spiritual counseling is needed. I am not belittling that. Uh, but most of the time, uh, having a conversation with the Holy Ghost, uh, getting along with God, looking at things through an, an eternal lens, uh, amen, that'll make the picture crystal clear. Uh, is this going to help me get to heaven or, or is this going to hinder me on my journey? Uh, put everything uh, on the borderline through the lens uh, and the prism of eternity uh, and the answer will be become crystal clear Amen. problem is is that too many times we make decisions not with eternity in mind but with this rotten old dirty flesh in mind God help us if we're going to redeem the time realize we don't have forever put eternal things first and thirdly walk in wisdom. The Bible said walk in wisdom toward them that are without redeeming the time. And lastly, we're, we'll drive home and wrap things up in just a few moments. But we must realize our time is in his hands. Our time is appointed by him. We must redeem our time as the scriptures said. But I've already mentioned it, but it bears repeating. Time is quickly running out. Time is quickly running out. I told you, you don't have to go to a palm reader or go to a psychic and try to find you some tarot cards to try to figure out or wonder out what your future is going to be. Just read the Word of God. It'll tell you everything you need to know. There was situation that happened back home a few weeks ago heartbreaking situation and there were some missing teenagers and young people and I was trying to follow carefully what was going on my heart broke for them I was praying and the search went on for two or three days and uh, in it there were people commenting we're praying we're seeking God and there was one lady on there that um went on and did a live video and it started off with praying. She said, I, I want to, uh, I'm, I'm praying for these 
these people and then the conversation and the tone and tenor began to change and she started talking about some cards that she had been looking at and viewing. And she started talking about how the Spirit was talking to her. And it, it the first time I heard it, it made my skin crawl. Because she never addressed it as the Holy Spirit. She just said, a spirit was talking to me. Yeah. Utterly witchcraft yeah, right. and demonic. Right. She goes from saying, we're praying for you in Jesus' name. We're going to find these young people. And then she started talking and, and talking about cards. And the spirit was directing me. And there were some absolute crazy individuals that swallowed what she said hook, line, and sinker. Come to find out. She was a palm reader. And she was using that to book appointments. And she said just on that platform, she was explaining what the Spirit had told her about these young people. People were following that, and she was book solid with appointments from people lining up, wanting her to tell them the future, wanting her to, to tell them more about these young people. I thought, how foolish is that? Yeah, right. Now, that would be mind-boggling to me, any point in time, I mean, anybody could be so foolish to do that, but that's why people consider the Bible Belt. Right. That's a portion of Mississippi where there's a church on every corner. And there's, uh, if you want a church, it's there. Amen. But uh, people have, have given up on, on God and they're turning to that foolishly. And instead of praying through, they're seeking a, a stupid palm reader to try to tell them what the future is. I mean, my eyes were open to it that day. Amen. I know I've seen them on the side of the road. I've seen their advertisements. But uh, I didn't think anybody was really foolish enough to, to go to one. But dear God, amen, there's people flocking to that in this hour. Amen. Somebody's got to preach, the, uh, preach against it and raise the stand. Standard, uh, and tell them that that's a lie birthed from the pit of hell. Uh, that's divination that God hates uh, and God will judge. Uh, you want to know the future? Uh, amen. Get with God. Uh, get in His Word. Uh, amen. The just shall live by faith. Uh, amen. He, the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. Uh, I don't have to know uh, what the future holds. Uh, I just have to know who holds the future uh, and make sure that my hand uh, is in His uh, and redeem the time that He's given unto me. I don't know how I got off on that rabbit trail but I hope I shot it and we can have some rabbits too here in just a minute but it troubled me and it bothered me time's running out and people are more interested in seances people are more interested in spirits than they are the Holy Spirit we gotta wake up folk and realize time is running out the disciples come to Jesus and ask him, said, Lord, tell us when all these things shall be and what shall be the sign of thy coming. And I'm going to read off some verses unto you that we've read many times before, but it bears repeating. And if this don't sound like the 6 o'clock news, us today live and in color, we are living this out, folk. Jesus answered, take heed that no man deceive you, for many shall come in my name. Or in my authority. Or in supposedly my power saying I am Christ and they shall deceive many. He's saying they're going to come under the banner and the guise of Christianity. They're going to preach to you a gospel. And they're going to preach to you some points and it's going to sound good and it's going to tickle your ears. But the Bible tells us about those that... Heap unto themselves teachers having itching ears that turn the truth of God unto fables. There's going to be a spirit of deception in this age. And we see deception this evening gripping much of the church world today. Many are going to come in my name saying I'm Christ. I shall deceive a many. You shall hear wars and rumors of wars. Amen. Every day it seems like there's another potential conflict somewhere. Russia, Ukraine, North Korea, China, different places, hot spots around the world, civil war in Sudan, many different places throughout Africa. Every day we hear the, the war drums beating and the war hawks. Amen. Pushing fear and fear mongering. Pushing wars and rumors of wars. But the Bible says, see that you be not troubled for all of these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. 
Nation shall rise against nation. That's happening. That's Russia and Ukraine. That's North Korea. Different places. But then kingdoms against kingdoms. That's spiritual. And I can tell you the kingdom of darkness is working overtime tonight against the kingdom of light. Amen. It seems like it's bombarding us from, from every side. Kingdom against kingdom. There shall be famines and pestilences and earthquakes in divers places. I don't have to preach to you about those things. We're living it. All of these things are the beginning of sorrows. They shall deliver you up to be afflicted, shall kill you, they shall, and you shall be hated of all nations for my name's sake. In other words, you're going to be hated for being a Christian. The most unpopular name in the United States of America right now is the name of Jesus. You can pray in any other name and you can be accepted under the flag of diversity, equity, and inclusion. But you pray in the name of Jesus. You're a bigot. You're uh, all of the other labels that they can put on us. They're trying to ostracize the name of Jesus Christ. That All it is is scripture being fulfilled. Jesus already said it. You're going to be hated of all nations. Not because of who you are. Not because of even your, your skin color. You're going to be hated because of me. You're going to be hated because of my name. Say, many shall be offended, shall betray one another, shall hate one another. Many false prophets shall arise and deceive many. Iniquity shall abound. The love of many shall wax cold. The great falling away, folks, we're there. America, the nation that has probably done the most out of any nation under the sun to further the gospel by way of evangelism and missions work has become the second largest unchurched nation in the world. Let that sink in. Right here. Home. They're used to, uh, one of the, the, the reasons I've struggled, I, I think, with young people, and God's dealing with me, and God's opened up the door so much to preach to, to young people here lately and seeing God do some great things, but it was like the lightning bulb came on, or the light bulb came on for me. You know, we used to could take for granted that they knew the story of Jonah and the whale, that they knew the story of Noah and the ark. And you would just preach with the presupposition that they already knew what you were talking about. But the more I, I preached over their heads and the more that uh, I, I just struggled and felt like an absolute failure and, and bombing, I'm preaching to young people that no longer know those stories. You literally have to go back to the ABCs and basics because we can't take for granted that people know what you're preaching about. And I say all the time, we're reading a familiar text and we're reading a familiar story. And that may be true for, for most of us, but there's people in here that comes in on Sunday morning. It ain't familiar to them. Because they've never heard it. They've never experienced the truths that we know right here in the Bible Belt, right here in the U.S. of A. Listen, I, I say this. Not, I say this to our shame and our part of the world. I can go to communist Cuba and preach to individuals that know more about the Bible than people that you witness to right here in Foley. The love of many has waxed cold and what's happened is bred over into a generation that's lost and undone. Amen doesn't know about this man called Christ. The love of many will wax cold. He that shall endure shall be saved. Listen, every one of these points is screaming to us. Time is running out. What's going to be the sign of thy coming? What's going to be the sign of the end of the age? Jesus said A, B, C, D, E, and we can see every single one of these things coming to pass right before Amen. our very eyes. We must 
redeem the time. We must, amen, redeem it and realizing that time is quickly coming to an end. Paul wrote to Timothy and said, This know also that in the last days perilous times shall come. Men shall be lovers of their own selves. I don't want to get graphic with this, but now there is a group of individuals along with the, all the other alphabet letters, LGBTQ, XYZ, that, that you actually have people that are marrying themselves. They're not joining in a union with another individual, but they are marrying themselves, and they're all about self-exaltation. When I heard that recently, my mind immediately went to this verse. In the last days perilous times shall come, for men shall be lovers of their own selves. Men shall exalt themselves more than Christ. They shall be covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful and holy, without natural affection. Again, homosexuality. Truth breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce, despisers of them that are good. Traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasures, more than lovers of God, having a form of godliness. Oh, I'm Christian. Books out. I'm gay and a Christian. Lovers of pleasure, more than lovers of God. Having a form of godliness, they're Christian Admitting, I believe in Jesus Christ, but they're living lifestyles that are expressively different than what His Word of God commands. What is it? It's Scripture being fulfilled right before our very eyes, saying time is quickly running out. We see that men will have a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof. Time. The hourglass slowly fading away. Time, soon and very soon, is going to run out. Can't take for granted. We're going to have raw. When is it, preacher? I've heard it all my life. I don't know the day nor the hour. Brother David's already quoted that verse tonight. There's only one that does. I'm not him, neither are you. But I have to believe. That he's getting close. Gabriel may be licking his lips. Setting his posture. Getting ready to blow the trumpet. You see to the world. The end of all things. Is doom and destruction. But I can tell you for the child of God. The end of all things. Is glorification. The end of all things. Amen. It's one thing to the world. Oh, uh, uh, the king, uh, uh, Belshazzar, when Daniel had his prophecy, he saw the handwriting on the wall uh, and said, Many, many tinkle you for some. You've been found uh, uh, in the balance. You're found wanting. Your kingdom is going to be stripped uh, and it's going to be given to another. You see, for the, the king uh, that was there, it meant death. It meant destruction. It meant uh, his kingdom was about to fall. Uh, but you see, Daniel went home shouting uh, because it meant to him, we're about to get out of here, boys. Uh, we're about to go home. Hallelujah. Amen. We're leaving uh, this place of exile and we're going back to the land of promise. Uh, we're going back, uh, amen, to our lineage and our heritage. We're going back to the place, amen, where we originated from, amen, to the world. The end of all things is doom and destruction. But to us, the child of God, it means we're getting out of here. We're about to set sail. Hallelujah. We're about to head home to the place of our pilgrimage, to a place called heaven. We're headed to a city whose builder and maker is the Lord. Oh, hallelujah. Thank God. It's about time to go home. Jesus is about to come. Jesus is about to come. Let not your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me and my Father's house or many mansions. And if it were not so, I would have told you, I'll go away to prepare you a place. 
And if I go away, I will come again and receive you unto myself. That where I am, there you may be also. Listen, folks, it took him only six days to create this world. It took him only six days to speak into nothing and make everything that is. But for 2,000 years, he's been working on a mansion. He's been working on a place called heaven that he's preparing for the redeemed, for the blood bought, for you and for me. Oh, how Hallelujah. Thank God. It's about to be reality. Amen. The old ship of Zion is about to drop anchor in the port of heaven. And forever we will be with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. He shall come again. He shall come again. We are soon. Very soon approaching that day. Time. Slowly. Slowly dripping down in one aspect and another. Time is quickly, quickly, quickly. Evading us and about to pass. But for us. Pete, if you'll come help me, I'm done. We're headed to a place. All God, God dealt with me about this one word, time. But we're heading to a place. Where time's going to be no more. Never again will we have to punch the time clock. Never again will we be bound by time and space. Never again will we have the 24-hour cycle that we know is a day. But we're headed to a place, hallelujah, where time will be no more. We're headed to a place where every moment of every second of all of eternity... It's going to be worshiping the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Listen, if you don't like worshiping down here, then you're going to hate heaven. If you don't like loving on the Lord, amen, why you even want to go? But we're forever. Those that love Him. Those that love His presence. Oh, those that love Him. Those that love worshiping Him. Amen. That's what's going to make heaven heaven. Time's going to be no more. We're going to be in the presence. Of the one that bled and died for us. And throughout all of eternity. We're going to crown him. As king of kings and lord of lords. We're going to have a crown. But we're going to lay that crown at his feet. Oh hallelujah. We're going to trade our. Robes off. For white robes of righteousness. Our names that we have been identified. With down here. They're going to be no more. He's going to give us a new name that no man knows. Hallelujah. Oh, my God. Time is going to be no more. But we're forever and 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 forever going to be in His presence. Hallelujah. And where things... Our governments and our political systems are so corrupt. Clinton said years ago that a turkey buzzard has to hold its nose when he flies over. That's pretty bad. But for a thousand years, we're going to rule and reign on this earth with Christ. I don't know what the millennial reign is going to look like. But I pray. He gives me Cuba. I want to be God's ambassador to Cuba. Where they've been oppressed. Where the church has been silenced. And that political ideology has had an iron grip for years. All of that's going to die in an instant. Amen. And it's going to be Jesus. My God. And Russia is going to be Jesus. And Haiti is going to be Jesus. And North Korea, the most closed nation on the planet, Kim Jong-un is going to find himself in a grave. 
And ultimately, if he don't repent, he's going to be burning in hell. And I take no pleasure in that. Oh, but when Christ reigns and rules in this world, it's going to be North Korea for Jesus. Everywhere. But the United States of America, where corruption reigns, it seems today, it's going to be righteousness. Amen. The, the, the Constitution of the United States and the Bill of Rights, it's going to be Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. It's going to be Acts. It's going to be the Apostles. Hallelujah. It's going to be Jesus in the Supreme Court. Jesus in the White House. Jesus in Congress. Oh my God. It's going to be Christ as He rules and reigns. I don't know about you, but I'm looking for that time. This time has been good. It's going to pass. But I'm living not for this time, but for that time. And I'm living for where I can spend an eternity of my time forever with Him. Time to everything. There is a time and a season, a purpose under heaven. Hallelujah. We've got to redeem it. We've got to know that time is in His hands. Time has been appointed unto us. We've got to redeem our time. And we've got to know that time is fading. To the world, it means one thing. But to us, it's our hope. It's our comfort. It's my joy to know what's going to happen. When the hourglass expires. Hallelujah. Time is no more. What's waiting on us as children of God. If you're here and you're not saved tonight where you need to be with God. If you're watching by way of live stream. It's time to get right. We don't have a two minute warning as they do in football. This isn't hide and seek where there's going to be a message ready or not. Here he comes. This is the ready or not. He's coming. This is. The warning. This is the preparation time to get ready. God does nothing except He reveals it first to His prophets. Uh, to those that love Him, He's showing us uh, how close we are to the end uh, of all things. Get right with God. Time is quickly fading. But for us, we can, that are right, that are redeemed, we can lift our hands and our, our, our heads and our hearts toward heaven <laughs> with joy and excitement and anticipation. Knowing what's on the horizon. Knowing what we've been working for. It's just in sight. It's within arm's reach. We're almost there, folk. We're almost home. Time will be no more. And forever we'll be with Him. Amen. I don't know about you, but I'm stirred up in my heart and my spirit. Let's come to this altar. Let's find us a place to pray.